Hey, everybody. Thanks, as always, for tuning into Front Row Knowles. KJ and I can't thank you enough for continuing to listen as we get into, I think, our 10th year of Front Row Knowles. Also, a special thanks to Seminole Boosters, who continues to support the program. The schedule is out. Quick reminder, your ticket and priority renewal deadline is April 18th. Great schedule, great optimism, great excitement about what's ahead in 2023. None of it's possible without Seminole Boosters. So to those of you who are members, thank you. To those of you who are not, log on to SeminoleBoosters.com to learn more. And now, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. Keith, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, our football team gets us all excited and then they take a week off and, and our baseball team has had, uh, you know, really good success. Uh, women are headed to Iowa and the basketball, um, uh, the women's softball team, although we're recording, uh, full disclosure, we're recording earlier on Tuesday, they're taking on the number one ranked uh, softball program in the world on Tuesday night. Um, we got a lot going on and football's taking the week off. Yeah, what do you think about that? It's usually it was always this way under Bobby too that the the coaches would go on a cruise actually in the middle of spring break, right? Do you like that as a player? Or would you rather get it all over with? I'd rather get it all over with. Of course, back in the day when we walked uphill both ways in the snow without shoes, uh, we didn't we didn't start practice until the first week of May and finished up the last week of May. We went five straight weeks, so it was after spring break, but. It is what it is. You manage to watch the cards you've been dealt. You mentioned women's basketball. The voice of the, the women's basketball team, Aria Masudi, will join us next segment. We'll talk about uh, Florida State's matchup against Georgia in the first round of the NCAAs. And also we'll talk some FSU baseball with him as he called the weekend series this past weekend and the Buster Posey ceremony as well. Florida State won that series against Pitt. Then Pat Burnham from the Osceola will join us. We'll talk some recruiting after a big weekend and Get his thoughts on week one, including only one day in pads thus far out on the football field. So there uh, is, is is definitely a lot going on as, as we'll dive into those. One of the things that uh, I, I guess it's subconscious, Keith, but with FSU's men's team obviously being very disappointing this year, having a disappointing season in basketball, I didn't even watch the selection show. And I can't tell you the last time that that happened, but I, I paid nary. And now I will fill out a bracket, but I didn't pay any attention to it. Uh, nor did I, uh, I did watch a few games, um, you know, uh, over the weekend, uh, usually the last three or four minutes flipping channels. Uh, but yeah, it was a little, uh, a little disconnect there. Uh, but uh, I have every reason to believe that coach Ham and, and Stan and the coaching staff, the players, it'll be an overhaul. There'll be some changes. Uh, but I think 23-24 will fare much better. It's just a little disappointing in the uh, in the reality of of what has occurred. Yeah, so I got to, uh, you know, get out a dartboard and start making some picks so I can uh, have a bracket get blown up by about 2 o'clock on Friday, which is – if I can make it to 2 <laughs> o'clock on Friday, it's actually been a pretty good year before I crumple the – well, you don't even crumple it up anymore because now you'd have to throw out your computer or your phone since we don't even print the brackets. Tommy, we know how poorly you do on fantasy football. We would not expect anything different when it came to basketball brackets. All right, let me know when you need a lesson on how to use Twitter, okay? (laughs) (laughs) 
Actually, I'm not even on Twitter very much anymore. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. Arya Masudi is with us uh, coming up next here in Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, March Madness is here. The women's basketball team will be uh, on the road in the NCAAs this week, and we're going to open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together, and say hello to uh, one of our Osceola insiders this week, Aria Masudi. He's also the voice of the women's basketball team for several years. How many years now, Aria? This is year six. Year six. And if uh, you don't listen to him there, you probably know his voice and his face from uh, calling a lot of other Florida State and other events, including FSU baseball this past weekend. So we'll get to both of those topics over the next few minutes. But uh, let's start with women's hoops, Aria. First of all, uh, what what's the prognosis in terms of the most important seminal right now who was ailing down the stretch as we as we head into March Madness? Yeah, you know, Tania Ladson, uh, I think that's the the question mark for everyone because just how different the team is when she's on the court versus, you know, when she's not on the court. And it uh, seems like she's gearing up to try and give this thing a go. Uh, obviously, it's uh, still day-to-day, uh, but they've done everything they can to, to get her ready, and um, she's she's getting better. And I think it's going to come down to how she feels on game day. Obviously, she's got a lot to think about, you know, future of her, what's going to be WNBA career, no doubt. Uh, one day, she's going to have a lot of basketball left ahead of her. So she's got to definitely feel 100% to be able to give it a go and, I think everyone's fingers are crossed that that is the case and that Tanaya can, can get be on the court because if she is on the court, you got a shot, you know, to, to beat just about anybody. Certainly the injury is of the forefront, but while she was out, uh, she collected a little more hardware over the last few uh, days. Um, it's been a remarkable freshman campaign for her. Without a doubt, KJ, it's been so much fun to watch and freshman of the year and in, in the ACC and nationally, um, just what a what an outstanding rookie season for Tanaya, where I think she's done things in a seminal uniform that we've never really seen before from a player that young. So uh, she's, you know, a talented player, no doubt. We're excited to see where her career goes. And uh, fingers crossed again that uh, Miss Latson is ready to rock this weekend in uh, Iowa City. I, I don't want to just gloss over what the, the opportunities this week but is she definitely coming back to FSU or is or is the pro opportunities waiting now I believe with the WNBA you do have to still be a certain age okay. to be able to give it a go I believe the the age is 21 years old um to be able to to go forward so I I expect tonight to be back uh, well, that's, that, that's a good answer that's a good answer in this case I'm all for yeah. anybody uh, making a, a, a living wage, right, or much more than that. But for Florida State's sake, that's good. So, uh, Aria, you you follow the team and watch it much more closely than Keith and I do. But uh, it, if you just look at the results, they obviously uh, didn't finish as strong as they they were earlier in the year. Is that because Tanaya was ailing, or are teams adjusting to what Florida State is, or a combination of both? Just just you know, add a little context to that for us. I do think it's a combination of both, definitely the health of Florida state kind of broke apart and deteriorated to end the season, uh, not just Tanaya, but you had, you know, Snoop Turnage miss a lot of the uh, back half of the season. And, um, you know, you've had other players that have had to uh, log a lot of extensive minutes, you know, Taylor O'Brien still trying to get 100% back 
and uh, into game form and the game shape, we only have 10 players, you know, Tom, and it's for, for the recipe to work, all 10 players have to be healthy. There, there's more than enough to be successful, but it felt like, you know, the, the miles on the tires, so to speak, we're starting to catch up to some of the players at the end. And uh, obviously not having Tanaya be 100% healthy doesn't help things. So uh, I think having a couple of weeks off was really important for a number of those players. And uh, now they're refreshed and recharged and, and ready for the NCAA tournament. Ari, I know the, the coaching staff has been looking ahead. I know you've gotten uh, ready for your notes. You guys will be traveling. Um, when you look at Georgia and you look at the SEC versus the ACC, give our listeners that maybe don't follow uh, college uh, women's hoops closely a uh, different style and, and how Florida State matches up with the Bulldogs. Yeah, you know, the SEC was really strong again this year, and uh, they have been now for a number of years. We got Jazz Massengill from Kentucky. And so uh, we, we know all about the stories of the SEC and South Carolina looks really hard to beat right now. I just don't, I don't know if there's a more complete team in college basketball uh, than the Gamecocks and what Don Staley has. So that's where it starts at the top in that conference. Uh, and, you know, Tennessee's had a really nice year. Uh, LSU uh, under Kim Mulkey, you know, she comes over from Baylor now a couple of seasons and they're dominant over there in Baton Rouge. The dogs are, you know, to answer your question though, they're pretty good. I mean, they're a scrappy team that has 20 wins on the season. And, uh, you know, UGA is going to play some zone on Florida State and try and scrap things up a little bit and make life hard for us. So certainly health will be important. And I think we're going to have to hit some shots, KJ, to beat the dogs. And certainly uh, what we do well, which is get to the line, attack, and then hopefully convert from the free throw line when we're there, because that was something down the stretch of the season. We were getting to the line 25 times. You like to call it the charity stripe, but it was anything but charitable uh, <laughs> towards the last few games. I mean, we were shooting like high 60%. It was in the, it cost us in a couple of games, uh, close losses. So yeah, that's kind of a synopsis of what we're looking for against the dogs. Another KJ is Amaria is that uh, what you're saying is the opponents were playing good free throw defense there down the stretch. That was what I was always in charge of. I was in charge of the opponent's free throws. Is that verbal? <laughs> is that verbal guys? Or is that more, you know, make eye contact to try and throw them off their game? KJ, what it, it was, was, it was tell a, tell a, tell the telepathy. I was just thinking evil thoughts and casting it gotcha. at them. Gotcha. We're talking with Aria Masudi. The women's basketball team plays Georgia in Iowa City, 1.30 on Friday. The winner, uh, you want to win, but then it's a taller task as you get uh, most likely number two, Iowa, which will be in its home state, uh, if not its home court. And it, it's the winner of Iowa. And who are they playing? Southeastern Louisiana. Do I have that right? That is correct. Uh, they are massive favorites, Yeah. Uh, to put it bluntly. And they have the best player, uh, one of the best players in the country, uh, arguably the best player in the country, in Caitlin Clark. So, uh, yeah, like you said, tall order. Tall order. Well, you got to take them one at a time. So have a good call on Friday against Georgia. Let's let's uh, bounce over to baseball. You spent this past weekend at uh, Mike Martin Field, Dick Hauser Stadium. First of all, before we talk about this year's team, you had the honor to call the uh, retirement ceremony of Buster Posey's uh, number. And I, I don't want you to share age necessarily, but your Buster Posey memories from when he played at FSU, Aria. Yeah, I was in, uh, I believe it was the end of middle school to high school. I was 13 or 14 years old. I said I didn't want you to share age, but thanks. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, 
I feel like that's contextually important uh, to, to give fans uh, a proper uh, picture of this. But yeah, I was, I, I remember him just being dominant, you know, going from shortstop, you know, become a freshman all American, the transition to catcher and having one of the best seasons of all time, you know, if not of all time in, in Florida state history, I was, I was only four or five years old for the JD drew year, but hearing and, and comparing numbers to what JD did uh, when he was in Tallahassee, it was mind boggling. And, and we don't actually see that much in college baseball anymore. Guys hitting 460 with, with 26 bombs. Um, I remember him pitching and, and touching 95, 96 on the mound. And uh, I was actually at Hauser the day that he played all nine positions. So that was really cool. Uh, and it was an honor to be able to call it. And he joined us in the booth for an inning and a half. So that was uh, pretty special in its own right. What's your takeaway of what you've seen from this Florida State baseball team so far? Yeah, I think so far it's very clearly improved from a year ago. Now that comes in many different forms. I, I think, you know, the, the lineup has been outstanding. They can really swing the sticks. Link doesn't even have a full healthy offense right now. You know, you've got a couple of key cogs that are nursing injuries. And so when they get everybody back, you're looking at one of the best offenses in the ACC. Uh, and, and by nature of that, one of the best offenses in the country. So they hit. I think they've clearly done a lot of the fundamental things a little a better uh, under Link. But it's also clear that, you know, there's a lot of work left to be done. And uh, I think on the mound, they're still searching for some answers uh, they've got four or five arms that they trust, but after that, they're still looking for someone else, one or two guys to step up and, and maybe be, you know, I don't want to say hero, but so, someone that adds something to the fold that they didn't know coming into the season. And maybe that's a Ryan Dennison or an Andrew Armstrong on the bounds. Maybe Jamie Arnold, you know, has a, uh, you know, what those freshmen usually do by the end of the, their first season. And, he has a couple of great performances, but clearly on the mound, there's some question marks. And I think defensively, that's still not, it's not as improved as you'd want it to be. Right. I, I think to really reach the goals that this team has, but overall, I think top 25 is about right. You know, 21 is what I'm seeing in a lot of the different polls. And, and that seems to be about what this FSU team is right now. So. Aria, talking to folks that, that love going to the games uh, and joined, by the way, the revamped uh, Hauser and, and some of the amenities that have been added. I, you know, I think they would, um, you know, absentmindedly concur. You're in the know. They're in the, th the thought. But, yeah, they're scoring some runs, and, and defense is a little better, not where we want it to be. Uh, but but pitching, and, and now in this particular week, as we're taping on uh, Tuesday afternoon, this is a five-game week, which is a not unusual, but a little stressful. Uh, so you're going to see those arms get tested a little more uh, in the next five and 10 games uh, moving forward. You're a hundred percent right. And I think this five game stretch coming up at UCF and against Boston college has, I, I think has taken more of an important uh, forefront on the schedule. Boston college is a lot better than people think. And I think that's now become apparent when they beat Tennessee on the road last week. And then they went to, uh, I want to say Virginia Tech and won two games this past weekend. So BC is going to be tough. UCF, you know, that gets personal for, for a lot of the Golden Knights when they play Florida State. They want to beat the Seminoles. Some of them might have wanted scholarship offers that they feel like they didn't get. Uh, they've swept Clemson at Doug Kingsmore earlier this season. So that's a UCF team that 
you know, is going to be ready for the Knowles and his quality over there in the Americans. So these five games are going to be interesting, KJ. I don't know how they're going to approach it on the mound. I, I don't know where you go because you don't have depth. You know, you have four or five guys, but then there that comes, you know, well, how do you prioritize the weekend versus the midweek? I don't know what that answer is. And, you know, pitch counts and, and trying to make sure that guys are healthy for a full season, but we'll see. Hopefully the offense is on fire and win some games for us. This week. You, you can always outscore opponents. <laughs> you can. I'm sure Link is writing thank you letters to meet. Uh, every time he checks the schedule and looks who they have the next week, because it's it's not an easy schedule. I, I will say, and this is definitely a glasses half full, one of the criticisms of 11, Aria, uh, is that he would settle into using the same combination of very few arms, uh, a setup man and a closer, and you might see the same two, fr- you might see him Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but two out of three times. And so uh, if at the end of the day, and I know they they have minimal arms, they need more bodies, uh, if there's not enough good arms, that's going to show up. But what the point I'm making is that right now, while you're moving parts and pieces around, you are giving guys a chance, uh, and you don't know. Sometimes guys aren't as good in practice, but they, you know, they find a little bit extra on that fastball when the crowd is against them. And uh, and Link's going to have to do that. I mean, we've already seen, you know, he, they're trying to figure out what to do with Wyatt Crowell, uh, and they've they've moved him into the starting lineup. So I, I guess tinkering. I mean, he's, it's what he's going to have to do to to piece things together. You know, he made a point too, Tom, that I thought was interesting to us. And we did TV meetings last week, uh, getting ready for our broadcasts. He said, we're still trying to learn this roster. I think people have lost sight of the fact that we're still learning these kids. We haven't been with them that long. And until you know what one kid can do, like you said, in the fire versus what he can't do, you have to kind of have trial and error. And sometimes that error bites you and you lose games. And maybe some of that was the case against FGCU. Um, not having, you know, the guys that you want available in key spots. And some of it is, you know, just finding out who this team is, Tom. I think if they're playing excellent baseball and they have roles defined and they feel good about what they got come May, then all of this will have been worth it. Uh, You know, beating TCU twice on the road has offered them, I think, some slack, right? Like you've given yourself on your resume a chance uh, to maybe have a mistake here or there. So they are going to learn, you know, these kids. I do like the roster. Like, I think it's a good roster capable of making a deep run in an NCAA regional and the super regionals. There just might be some growing pains as you get forward. And and you know this, Tom, and KJ as well from covering the ACC. It's not forgiving, the schedule in this league. Like, you're going to have to take your lumps at times. I think one of Link's comments really spoke to me uh, when he talked about, you know, we we were just inches away. We needed the ball on the inner half of the plate, and it was on the outer half. We needed the ball up a little bit in the zone, and it was down in the zone. So it wasn't the talent. It wasn't the uh, ability. It was the execution. Well, you can work on that. That, that, can, be, um, that can be coached up and down. Uh, so I liked, I liked at least the thought process that Link was talking about in terms of the kids on the mound. Definitely. And I, I think there's a lot of talent there, right? You know, uh, Tom mentioned Wyatt Crowell. He's the best pitcher on your staff. You're going to have to figure out what's the most optimal way to use him. Uh, the way that Jackson Baumeister has pitched this season, I think is, you know, that's one of those guys that stepped up a little bit. Carson Montgomery, if they can figure out, I say the curious case of Carson Montgomery. And, and if he figures it out by May and they have something that they like for him, now you're talking about a team, right? That's a little more solidified there in the staff and the talents there. He's a first round talent. 
Um, and then, like I mentioned, some of the freshmen, if they step up and they give you some, some quality innings and, and they go through that learning process, then this thing can come together by the end of the year and be that baseball program and, and team that Florida State fans have, I think, been dreaming of with Link Jarrett. <laughs> Aria Masudi, uh, we appreciate your insight. Safe travels to uh, Iowa City. I hope you get to call two games. I hope you get to call two wins there and we'll catch up again down the road. Uh, thanks for all your good work. All right, Tom, KJ, appreciate you guys always. All right. Thank Ari, you, We'll take a break, but we'll continue with our Osceola Insiders. Pat Burnham's going to join us next, and we'll get into a little recruiting and a little uh, spring football, even though they're not practicing this week. That's straight ahead here on Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, and we got an all-star cast just cycling through, including Patrick Burnham, who joins us now as we continue with our Osceola Insiders on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Hey, Pat, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How about you guys? Doing well. KJ, you're not privy to this, but uh, Laura and I were out the other night with some uh, friends, uh, an individual who knows Pat, and literally we, we were driving. Well, I'll give him a plug because we all like Koosh, so we were at Koosh's. And about a minute before we got to Koosh's, uh, this friend Trey says, we started talking about Pat Burnham. He says, yeah, I run into him all the time. Just randomly, I'll run into Pat Burnham. <laughs> So we parked and walked into Kusha's and there was Pat Burnham on Saturday night. And uh, uh, you guys had scripted that, but I hope you had a good time. Where else would he be? Where else would he be? Uh, uh, oh, most of the time I run into Trey, it's at Publix. If, if truth be known, hey. it's, it's Publix. I wish my life was that exciting. Your, your last name is out there, but we'll, we'll keep his last name out of this one. To, yeah, to, to protect the uh, maybe innocent. That's right. Hey, listen, I'm just glad somebody uh, fessed up to knowing me. Well, the little bit you and I connected, uh, you seemed impressed with what you've seen so far. And and you, are, for our listeners' sake, uh, if you're not aware, Pat Burnham is, is one of the rare media members. who do, He does the opposite of what everybody else does. Most of us go watch the skill guys and the quarterback, but Pat Burnham loves to go watch the guys in the trenches because he was one of them. And we, we've heard this a lot, Pat, but it, it really is night and day if you look at the collection that Alex Atkins has right now compared to last year and certainly two years or three years ago. Well, yeah, I mean, you look, just look at – listen, we were fired up about the young guys coming out of fall camp, uh, whether you're talking about Quayshon Sapp or uh, Bryson Estes or uh, – Kaniah Charlton, but then you bring in Keandre Jones, Casey Roddick, and Jeremiah Byers and throw them in the Reese Smith and Bless Harris. And listen, they got a chance to be legitimately too deep at every position going into the LSU game. And I can, since when we rebooted the Osceola in 2019, we have not been able to say that. Uh, in fact, even going into last year, there were huge questions uh, still about the offensive line. We knew that Mike and Alex could do a great job with play calling and, you know, working around some of the things they've had to work around in the past. But uh, listen, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to watch that competition, not only the offensive line, but the defensive line. And, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned it, the offensive line. Listen, we're only three days into practice. And as Keith said on one of your earlier shows going into spring, yes, this team does look much better on the hoof. But what you saw 
coming out of the first spring practice in pads with Jeremiah Byers. Uh, now, did he have a perfect day? No, he's going against Jared Verse and Patrick Payton every day, uh, every pass rush drill. Uh, but Jeremiah Byers certainly looks to be the part. And uh, my takeaway from Friday's first practice in pads was Jeremiah Byers and Daryl Jackson. Two guys up front, Daryl Jackson, obviously the transfer from Miami, uh, who, uh, boy, I'm going to tell you what, he is a pretty looking son of a gun, and uh, he had a great practice. Pat, normally, normally spring practice is a little slower paced, a lot yep. more teaching. Yep. Uh, that's not the case under Norvell. This, this is some pretty intense going on right now. Yeah, one of my first notes, and you know, listen, I was not here last spring, and obviously Mike's first spring, we they did they had three practices and shut it down. Uh, you know, I'm getting older, my memory going back to the 2021 spring is not as good as what I wish it was, but there seems to be Keith a different intensity level to this spring, and I think that's twofold: a expectations and b depth. They can afford to practice harder and be more physical. That was one of the questions that we had coming into the spring. Would Mike be more physical in practice? Would they be more intense? Because he's finally got some depth. And yes, that's what we saw. That's, you know, listen, the Wednesday practice was kind of that spring teaching day, Keith, but Monday and uh, Friday, certainly if those are any indications of what we're going to see the next 12 days of spring practice, uh, it's kind of, you know, he's, he's taking the program the next step. He's got some competition on that field uh, on the, at almost every position outside of really quarterback and linebacker. Uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating spring to watch. I want to go a little deeper on Jeremiah Byers because uh, if you talk to somebody with the program off the record, they're, they're going to rave about him. I mean, they really like yep. what they have there. Uh, I asked you the other night uh, as if there was a question, would he move inside? Is he outside? You said he's definitely a tackle. But when you watch him uh, as, a, as a former OL, what is it that you see that right away you go, this guy is different? Is it is it how deep he gets in his stance? It is how, how quick he moves? I mean, and, and he's 6'5", 330-ish, somewhere in that range. So people know. Yeah. Well, first of all, he doesn't look 330. I mean, he's and he's very athletic. He can move laterally very well in pass protection. And one of the first things you notice is when they go into the twist and stunt period, which is two-on-two pass rush drill, his, his uh, football IQ really shows. I mean, he is very comfortable passing people off, uh, understanding where the twist is coming from who his responsibility is, things like that, things that uh, it usually takes guys time to pick up. You can tell that he's played football, but uh, certainly he uh, moves very well. He's got long arms, uh, definitely as athletic as any offensive lineman we have seen since 2019 at Florida State. It, it's funny, Tommy, our listeners, obviously they're listening. They can't see. We're on a Zoom call, so I can see Pat while he's talking. And he's got his hands going everywhere. And that's one of the things, Pat, that you can help educate all of us on. These big guys, the big guys, they were able to use their bodies and, and some footwork in high school. But they really didn't have to use their hands. You've got to use your hands now. And your hands can get you in trouble if you don't use them correctly. Right, right. Correct? Well, yeah, they got to be violent. <laughs> and they got to be inside, right? You got 
I mean, an offensive line, you know, they, you know, every, when I went to college, uh, Keith, to your point, it's the first time I ever got to use my hands in pass protection. And boy, I was much better at it in high school, uh, college than I was in high school. But it's not natural. You got pass blocking is not natural. You're moving backwards at the same time that you were trying to stop somebody. <laughs> and it takes a while to develop. But what we saw in that twist drill was the fact that Jeremiah has taken a ton of snaps. He's he's does not make many fault steps either in footwork or with hand placement. And uh, now listen, he was challenged some. I'm not going to sit here and say that it wasn't a he was perfect on every snap, but he's also going against Jared Verse and Patrick Payton, among others. Gilbert Edmond, who is another guy, a defensive end uh, from South Carolina, transferred in. Uh, and I think that's the most exciting thing if you're a Florida State fan is the competition is going to make this team better internally, right? I mean, it's been a long time since we could say that, and it used to make some of the best teams Florida State ever had that much better. Uh, and so if you've got a young lineman that, you know, you don't have to worry about, well, uh, if we start so-and-so against LSU next fall, will he have been challenged enough? Uh, there's there's enough evidence to believe that, you know, he would not be overwhelmed. Uh, offensive tackle, let's just say a Julian Armella, if he were to end up starting at one of the tackles, would he be overwhelmed by the competition he's going to face in his first game? I think that with who they have up there and going against each other every day, not only in the offensive and defensive line, but the secondary and that receiver, I think it's, I think it's got a chance to make Florida State uh, much better than they would have been otherwise. A couple of years ago, Pat, we thought the DBs were really good, and then the season started, and we found out the receivers weren't any good, and, and neither were the DBs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, hey, the receivers are pretty good this year, so the DBs will be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one one last question on the current team, and we'll we'll go to recruiting. But uh, you mentioned Daryl Jackson; a lot of people have been raving about him. Uh, I mean, your your quick look at him, and I know he's still got to he's got to be granted his eligibility and get a waiver and all that, which FSU thinks he'll get. Uh, what what stands out about him? Big, long, physical, uh, can move people, uh, got some ability to make plays laterally that maybe some of Florida State's interior tackles, whether it be nose or three technique, have not had in the past. He can get off a block and make plays outside of the two-gap responsibilities that he may have. You know I mean? If he's lined up and – as a three technique and he can make a play in the ARB gap. He's the guy that can extend to the C gap or the other side of the, the center and make a play. That is well said and, and succinct. We appreciate it. KJ, uh, I'm going to dive to recruiting now. So we had legacy weekend and we had Jamison and Jermaine Johnson and uh, so, some other former Knowles, but I, I guess if you, if you were going to put it on a flyer, if, if, if we're going back to, to school days, maybe not on a flyer, Pat, and you, you got to write a one paragraph synopsis or summary of what it was compared to say three years ago when Florida state was trying to hold a big recruiting weekend. I mean, what, what did we have this past weekend? FSU legacy weekend was a star studded event past and future. Well, that was the headline. That was very nice. I wanted the whole body of the paragraph <laughs> though. So add a little bit more. Oh, well, you just, you just raved on me being succinct. So I was trying to say, <laughs> short-winded instead of long-winded listen <laughs> you, you nailed that one now continue <laughs> oh i thought you wanted a sentence not a paragraph listen it's, it's my florida it's my florida public education showing itself off uh listen uh they, it was 
I, listen, they won. They won the weekend. Uh, they had guys in here that had never been on campus, uh, did not know much about Florida State, and those guys are going to be back. I mean, they knocked it. They hit a home run with this weekend. Uh, you know, they you had a kid like Peyton Pierce, the number fourth ranked linebacker in the nation by rivals, inside linebacker. He said in his post visit interview that he really wasn't sure where Tallahassee was on the map. Uh, and now they have moved to the forefront of his recruiting process. He's from Lovejoy, Texas. He got offered by Florida State last summer, last spring, when Randy Shannon was making a run through Texas. And, uh, you know, but he, he's got Ohio State, Texas, Texas A&M, Michigan. I mean, he's got, a, he's got the biggest brand names, as you would expect. But Florida State has, after this weekend, has thrown themselves right into contention for Peyton Pierce. And uh, he said, listen, I'm going to be back. I had no idea what to expect. And we asked, well, what, are one, what were one of the things that stood out to you? He goes, well, not every visit do you run into a former Heisman Trophy winner and get to hang out with him. And he was talking, obviously talking about Jameis Winston. So uh, I know that's more than a paragraph. Now I'm starting to sell a short story. But uh, I, I, there's, no, there's no middle ground with me. I'm either going to say very few words or a lot of words. Man, we're we're going to go to haiku next. If you can do a haiku yeah. to Keith's question, we'll be really impressed. Well, Matt, I got to be able to write out at me. The thing that jumped out at me, and, and I grew up, you know, watching 11 on the baseball diamond and, and go after all of these high baseball prospects and, and get them committed to Florida state. And you have a class of nine and six of them get drafted and never set foot on campus. That was the baseball side on the football side. We saw uh, going after in certain situations, those five stars and those four stars and, and concentrating on them and, and come signing day, they all went somewhere else. This Florida State program at this particular point, we don't know what it'll look like, but at this particular point, they can go after those five stars and those four, those four stars and actually have a chance of getting them now. Well, you know, Keith, you know, as well as I do, one of the things that helps that is uh, no, if you can recruit anybody, if you win ball games, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you can put on as many uniforms, different colors, different logos, all that. Usually that means you're not winning ball games. But when you are winning ball, kids want to be successful and they want to go places where they go to bowl games and now go to playoff, right? They want to be in the college football playoff. And when you win games, it opens access to kids that you would not have access to before. And Mike Norvell and his staff have gotten this place back up to double digit wins in three seasons and that includes a COVID season which you know a lot of people that's very difficult there was no recruiting no spring practice uh it really put uh anybody that was taking over a college football program that year kind of behind the eight ball right you you you, you didn't you almost lost uh well you lost a spring you lost off season for the most part that year so I mean you know we had this conversation about whether uh, Mike was ahead or on schedule, and you would have to think he's ahead of schedule with that ten and three season in his third year, which is kind of a should be an asterisk, right? He had to go through twenty twenty. Uh, but yeah, listen, I think the winning helps. Obviously, Mike is a uh, has unbelievable energy when it comes to recruiting. Uh, you hardly ever hear 
I, I, I've, I mean, on the record, off the record, I've never heard a guy leave there that we've talked to said he was not overly impressed with not only Mike, but the entire staff, uh, even Peyton Pierce mentioned it in his interview, which is on the Osceola. Uh, but yeah, listen, uh, and listen, they've gotten to this point, uh, which is hard to believe. We talked to a four-star outside linebacker, Jamonte Waller, who is from Mississippi product. He is a number 10th ranked outside linebacker by rivals. He doesn't have an offer Florida State because he plays more of a defensive end position. He is coming back on campus in June or July so that they can work him out and see how he does in space. That's how much he is. That's how much recruiting has changed at Florida State. That's wow. impressive. Have, have there been any uh, commitments in, in the short term here, even silent that we're aware of? And for our listener's sake, we're recording this on uh, late Tuesday afternoon as we talk. Well, I think the two biggest things coming out, uh, no, they, as far as we know, there were no commitments silent for otherwise. Now, you had Jason Zandamella, who's the number two ranked center in America out of Clearwater Academy. He has committed to an official visit. It'll take that the last weekend in June. Uh, and listen, there was no doubt uh, – that uh, we asked him at the end of the day uh, who the favorite was in his recruiting process, which co- uh, includes USC, Oregon, uh, Florida, Penn State. I mean, obviously, uh, name brands just like Florida State. And he's going to go see visit some of those programs, Miami. Uh, but, you know, we asked him, who is your favorite? Who's leading your recruiting process right now? And he got this big old grin on his face. And he turned around, looked back at the Moore Center, up at the Seminole logo on top of the building, and just smiled. Uh, so they're in a great place with him. Uh, then Charles Lester, the number one ranked quarterback. Uh, no, sorry, number one ranked quarterback, cornerback uh, from Sarasota Riverview. Uh, his response when we talked about, you know, Florida State has this has this event changed the way you feel, and his comment was, "At heart, I'm committed." Now, a lot of work to do. He's got an official visit uh, set for FSU with June uh, for June 23rd, but he's also set visits for UGA and Ohio State. So, yeah, listen, they've uh, they've got some, but they're in a good spot with those kids, right? I mean, they've kind of flipped where they're working from a position of power in recruiting now, which they weren't three years ago. Well, that, that makes a huge difference. Pat, that's really a good insight. We appreciate it. And I wish our listeners could see you talking with your hands because you're, the animation indicates excitement about what you're seeing, both in recruiting and on the field. That's a good thing. So, yeah, it is. Listen, I, I told people before the spring started, uh, I can't remember this time, the last time I was this excited to go out and watch the team practice. Uh, obviously, the way they practice on Friday has gotten me that much more excited. And then, you know, listen, as you talk to these young kids, uh, obviously they're impressionable. Uh, they're 17, 18 years old, but the way they talk about, uh, the way that the staff is straight with them when they come on recruiting visits, they're not, they're, it's not a, it's not, you know, they're not a whole lot of BS going on. Mike's it's going to be the hardest thing you're going to do. We're going to be demanding, but also the way they leave Florida state feeling like Florida state is a family. And as uh, you guys well know, that was, there was similar terminology used and I'm not, I'm not trying to get anybody overly excited, but the last time we heard about Florida State and family, a guy named Coach Bowden was the coach. Well, you have you have poured kerosene onto the to the, <laughs> the, the fire. Don't worry about that, Pat. But we appreciate it. Have a good one, and uh, we'll see you out and about at FSU. All right, guys. Thank you. All right, Pat Burnham, and more front row Knowles right after this. 
Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Just a couple minutes to finish things up. I'll tell you what, Patrick Burnham is excited about what he's seen so far. I mean, that was palpable. That's enough uh, of a, a preseason, pre-spring indicator to me to get excited in my own right. I liked what he said. Uh, and again, he knows offensive line play. But, I mean, you find anybody over there and ask him a question about buyers, you're going to get a positive response right now. So we're we're building this guy up. But Pat did a nice job of explaining what he can do laterally uh, in, in terms of moving around and Jackson too, both of them able to, to, to really move. And I guess maybe that's the biggest difference with, with being that athletic and skilled at their size. Well, the ability to move at that size, you know, you expect them to, to hold their gap and, and stand their own on double teams. But once they get off a block, you know, being able to travel five or seven yards in enough time to, to eliminate a cutback and that type of thing becomes huge. Exactly right. Well, they, they will uh, finish spring break. They'll be back at it next week. The baseball team uh, playing midweek against uh, UCF, as we discussed, and then they get Boston College this weekend. Keith, uh, where will you be for March Madness this weekend? You're going to be down at the beach. Is that the norm? I will be at the beach. I will be tuning into some games. We'll be tuning into some games. But uh, again, as you mentioned, with the men's team not participating, it does take a little bit of luster off. The other thing that, though, Tommy, this past weekend, uh, I was not at the baseball games, but I got a number of people with feedback about the ceremony for Buster and that type of thing. And and you and I even made the highlight tape. That, that's that's where my career is now. If if something happened 15 or 20 years ago, am I still participating in it? And I and I and I had a little voiceover in his. So that made my weekend. It, my son Nolan was there, and he got to meet Buster and take a picture and loved it. But. The, the actual evidence was that he heard my voice on one of the highlights. I said, see, I actually was there when it happened. There you go. All right. We're out of time. We'll do it again next week. Uh, have a safe spring break. If you're on spring break this week, enjoy March Madness. And thanks, as always, for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.